Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in color. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Fish in the sea, you know how I feel. River running free, you know how I feel. Blossom on the tree, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new The beautiful and big sound of Nina Simone with Feeling Good. Good morning, this is Jazz Shapers. I'm Elliot Moss and you're listening to what I hope will be a fantastic programme. It's where we bring the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul alongside their equivalents. We put them alongside their equivalents from the world of business and I call them business shaper. And my business shaper today, I'm very pleased to say, is Ben Wright. He's the co-founder of the Wright Brothers. Sounds like the people that fly, but they're not. They're the people that make wonderful food in restaurants uh, around London. London, and you're going to be hearing a lot more about the oyster business, which is really where Ben and his partner have focused on. Lots coming up very shortly. In addition to hearing from Ben, you'll also be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea. Some words of advice for your business. And then we've got the music, and it's a brilliant mix today from the Shapers of Jazz, Blues and Soul. We've got Hugh Masekela, Madeline Peru, Theo Croker, and this from Alan Harris. <laughs> I remember my old lady standing there looking shady and me. Whoa, what can the matter be? That was Catfish from Alan Harris. Ben Wright's my business shaper today, and he's the co-founder of Wright Brothers. They are the people that have brought you the Oyster and Porter House. That's in Borough Market, where I've been. That was back in 2005. They've got the Soho Oyster House, the Wright Brothers uh, Spitterfields uh, branch. Not really a branch, but it's more of a restaurant. And opened recently, uh, I think it was last year in September, South Kensington. And indeed, I think, and we'll talk about this a little bit, there's a, a little interest that might be changing in Cornwall. And then there's the matter of the oyster farming business as well. It's a lot of stuff, Ben. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, I love jazz, I love my soul, I love my blues, and I love my oysters, so this should be fun. This should be fun, although you didn't bring oysters, which has gutted me, by the way. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We'll do that next time. Yeah, Yeah. next time, exactly, or I'll just come and plonk myself in the oyster. Come to one of the Wright Brothers restaurants. I will, I will. In fact, everyone that's listening as well, you won't mind, will you? Um, Tell me about this. What what interests me is, um, immediately, you're a lawyer, not that that in itself is particularly interesting, but that you were a lawyer who then has become a restaurateur. At what point did you have this epiphany that you were no longer going to be a corporate lawyer, Ben, and, and where did it come from? Well, it came from a harebrained idea uh, I developed when I was living and working in France. I uh, lived and worked in Paris for a while as a lawyer. And I, I was exposed to this amazing oyster culture that they have over there, which uh, I, I was completely seduced by. Um, everybody's eating oysters. It seemed a very French thing to do. It seemed very sort of liberating, very sensual. Um, and it was great. Um, and then when I came back to work in London again, it was conspicuous by its absence. Suddenly, you know, where had all the oysters gone? And I started thinking about it a little bit. I started... Uh, I, I wasn't the best lawyer at the best of times, but I found myself thinking more and more about oysters instead of law. And when I looked what was happening, oysters in London were very concentrated around a particular area. It was quite Mayfair, Piccadilly. They were they, they tended to be to, tended to go with champagne. They were very smart restaurants. And 
I wondered actually whether they couldn't be more down to earth and a bit more fun. And essentially, that's what I started to think about. And um, really, the catalyst was out of my hands because I went into my legal partner at the time, who's my boss. And I was going to talk to him about handing him my notice. And I fully expected him to say, Ben, slow down, think. You're a fantastic lawyer. You have an amazing future here. I have you down for for the senior partner position. You know, uh, we we can't afford to work without you. And so I, I, I said, I... I went in, I sat down, I shut the door and I told him, I said, I've got some very bad news. This could be a bit of a shock. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of handing him my notice. And he immediately said, what a fantastic idea. What are you going to do? So I, I've, at that point, it was down to pride and, and I wasn't going to then sound like I didn't really know. So I just said, I'm going to start an oyster business. And I didn't really know what it would be or what we would do. But I had decided at that point that I was going to leave the law and go and be an entrepreneur and start something fun. And that was 14 years ago. And as much as it would have hurt your pride for a second, it's a good thing that he said that. Lots more coming up from my business shaper, Ben Wright, co-founder of Wright Brothers. They uh, serve up beautiful oysters around London town. Time for some more music. This is Mr Hugh Masakela and Grazing in the Grass. The fantastic Hugh Masakela with Grazing in the Grass. Ben Wright's my business shaper. We've been talking about uh, how your honest boss, when you were a lawyer, said, thank you very much. There's the door. Goodbye. Good night. Good luck. Um, Ben, before that point, uh, had you ever thought about running your own business? Because people have ideas and not many people go and then create their own businesses. And you already had a set career in a way and you could have probably pivoted and gone to another law firm it hadn't worked out but it didn't go like that do you think it came from earlier years and uh, and influences on you I'm not sure I, I think probably entrepreneurs have something within them that makes them not cut out for the conventional um, I can't think of anything specifically for me but what I did find is as a lawyer the clients would come into the room, they'd come into the meeting room, and they'd start talking about their business or their deal or what they were doing or trying to achieve. And I did find myself thinking, that sounds a lot more interesting than what I'm doing. We were effectively just processing things, and these people were being much more creative, much more strategic. So I can't think of anything in particular that made me think along those lines, but I do think uh, it takes a certain mindset mm. to, to be an entrepreneur and to be excited by the unknown, the risk, the challenge. And on that point, the unknown, the risk and the challenge, those points there, as you look towards, you're now in 2002, you open your first restaurant three years later, roughly. Correct. In those three years, how did you feed yourself, Ben? How did you get by? Had you borrowed money? Um, had you had saved money? I mean, what was it? Or you just had very lucky that someone said, here, look after this while, while you grow, while you create your business? Well, we started, the first thing we did uh, for the business was uh, wholesaling, actually. We started out as wholesalers. And I called a friend in France who produces absolutely fantastic oysters. And I said, send them over to me and I'll take them around the chefs in London. And that's how the business started. That's how we started getting money through the door. But 
that needed financing, I needed financing. I remortgaged my flat. I had a flat in London at the time and um, the banks and mortgage companies were very happy for you to draw down a little bit more on, on, on the mortgage and that's really what got us started. And in those first few years, was there ever a moment of what have I done or was it simply just like a duck to water? No, there was definitely moments of what what have I done. I can remember pretty much the first day driving the wholesale delivery van uh, through London and seeing other people driving to work in the office with their suit and tie on and thinking, am I in the right vehicle here? But actually, I never really felt fear about it in that sense because I think I was just naive. I, I think I was gloriously, blissfully ignorant and naive. I never thought, is this going to succeed? I never really actually worked out the numbers well enough to know how long I could survive until I would have to go back to the law. It was, I was very clear about what I wanted to do, and it was more, I was more focused on actually doing it. Stay with me for my focus business shaper. It's Ben Wright, co-founder of The Wright Brothers. Latest travel in a couple of minutes. But before that, it's another part of our Future Shapers series. It's someone who is going to be shaping the world of business in the very near future. My name's Tom Broughton, and I founded the company Cubits a couple of years ago. So we make spectacles and sunglasses. Our company was really founded a couple of years ago with an ambition of kind of reviving the the lost art, the lost craft of spectacle making. So until relatively recently, London was a kind of centre of spectacle making around the world. Um, The world's first pair of spectacles was made in Soho in 1770, I think, by a chap called Edward Scarlett. And then for about 200 years, it was a real hallmark of kind of British craft. Then, for various complicated reasons, over the last 100 years, it kind of um, started to wane. And so what we're trying to do is take some of those um, sort of traditional skills of sort of frame making and lens making, dispensing, and um, revive them. And I could never quite understand why, in the UK particularly, there, there wasn't really much choice. The actual sort of quality of service and product was not that great. So I, I always, for years and years and years, thought, wouldn't it be great to try and start up a, a slightly more kind of a progressive modern eyewear company that tried to um, revive some of those kind of, the kind of the dying craft. I think the biggest challenge is getting used to challenges. <laughs> so it's, I mean, there's practical ones. So um, cash, money, how you fund it, um, to how you design a product, how you build a team, to how you open a shop. It's just sort of different types. I think, I think probably the biggest overall challenge I had was having to shift my own attitude to problem solving, right? From, from working in a kind of corporate job for 10 years where people are kind of paying for your advice and you always feel a, a requirement to, to, to do things perfectly, to get a perfect answer. And then you go into starting a small business and you realise that you can't make a perfect decision every time. The challenge is getting used to actually just making decisions and getting through them and accepting that 20% of them or 30% of them are going to be wrong. Um, and so it was the, that was a kind of big mental challenge that I kind of feel I had to overcome. But like I say, every day it's a new set of, uh, of things that we have to deal with. I like the idea of just sort of throwing people in a room together and not necessarily managing in a direct way, um, just shaking things up and seeing what happens, which kind of which sometimes works. Um, it's sometimes disastrous. It's one of those things I think you don't really realise what your management style is until you, you're backed into a corner and you're forced to manage, and I'm still coming to terms with that. It seems to be working so far, but yeah, time will tell. As long as you're on the kind of path that you want to be and that doesn't have to have an end goal it can just be on on, on one that involves doing something you enjoy and growth then um yeah i think that's the right direction to go
Jazz Shapers presents Future Shapers, the future of business today. You'll find that future shaper in full at jazzfm.com. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, here on Jazz FM every Saturday. I'm very lucky because I get to spend some time with someone who's building a business, an entrepreneur. And if you've missed any of the people that have been building businesses for many years, well, you can find many of them uh, on iTunes. Or indeed, if you're traveling this summer, then uh, British Airways is your destination. You can hear them over on High Life over there. Ben Wright's my business shaper today, and he's the co-founder of Wright Brothers. Uh, started in the wholesale oyster business, a natural departure from the world of law, obviously. obviously. I mean, you saw that one coming. And then he's opened up restaurants since. So we were talking, uh, Ben, about those first few years, and, and you said, you know, was I driving the wrong vehicle in the wrong direction? I imagine it's pretty early in the morning as well. Deliveries in, in London it must have been five or six in the morning. Yeah, we were getting up four or five o'clock yeah. I mean, in the morning. It, and blood sugar's low. You're wondering and you're worrying. The natural anxiety, I imagine, at least I feel it physiologically when it's very early, that obviously dissipated. And when you opened that restaurant, the first restaurant on the first day, what did it feel like? Was it? Was it? I mean, you can't give birth, but I imagine it must have been something like that. It felt amazing. I mean, it is obviously slightly stressful. And again, we didn't know. We did, had no experience in wholesale, which was the first business we started. And then when we opened the restaurant, we had no experience in that either. We had gained experience by supplying chefs around London and, and seeing how how they ran, but we had never run a restaurant ourselves. So obviously, there is trepidation. Um, it was added. To by the fact that we invited a great friend of ours, Mark Hicks at the time, as great London restaurateur. And at the end of the night, we were all a bit merry, the, the sort of pre-opening evening. And he turned around to us uh, as a friend, giving us some friendly advice, saying, if, if, guys, if you open this tomorrow, you're going to look really, really foolish. Um, which, you know, really cranked up the pressure. But again, I think we just believed in what we were doing. And we were doing something quite different at the time. This was the first open plan kitchen that I know of in 2002. The way we had we were selling really, really great seafood and shellfish, but in a very relaxed way. Mm. We were selling it not necessarily with champagne, but with beer, with, 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 with porters. So the whole approach was different. And I just fundamentally believed that people were ready for that and wanted that did you so did you ignore his advice and open the next day yes and um was he wrong i mean did it go well the first night it it went yeah it went it went well i mean there's nothing beats that moment when you open the doors and think is anyone actually going to walk in here and then someone Mm. does and then you go into a blind panic because then you think well now what do we do but we were also lucky to open in a great location borough market is is a unique place in london and a unique place in the world i think and the mix of people the atmosphere there it kind of felt to me like it was crying out for somewhere that did amazing oysters and seafood but that belief ben where did that come from and i imagine you and your your brother-in-law your business partner had the belief where do you think that emanates from that's a big question i think i I traveled around a lot i've worked in different countries um i love different cultures uh for example the open plan kitchen design was really influenced by places like calpep the tapas bars in barcelona which again are quite well known now but in 2002 in london it wasn't really such a big thing um but i felt I, I, I believed that that worked. I believed that was a great way to enjoy food. It was more social. It was more convivial. It was more fun. And I really just believed that, partly also because no one else was doing it that way in London. So there was a gap. Mm. There was a gap. And 
it's also about getting the story across. It was being able to, as soon as these poor customers would walk in the door, that was our opportunity to talk to them and sit them down and share oysters with them and, and open them in front of them and get them engaged. And again, at that point, you've, you feel the, me- the momentum. You feel that you're onto something. So I don't know where it comes from. It could also be the ignorance again. Who knows? But it Who was knows? a good thing. It, it was, was a, a good thing. thing. Uh, lots more come out from Ben, but it's right now it's time for some more music. This is Theo Croker with Love from the Sun, and you may notice it's featuring Dee Dee Bridgewater. That was Love from the Sun from Theo Croker featuring, as I said earlier, Dee Dee Bridgewater. Um, ben, so b- beyond the belief, I mean, belief is one thing that gets you over the start line. The start line happens. You're then having, I imagine, to build a team, to build a model. You're building, you're opening more restaurants. Things start to happen. In those first few years, those first five years or so beyond the first restaurant opening, was it immediately more of the same or was it continually surprising and eventful or did you kind of have you settled you look pretty settled now or was it always a bit of a roller coaster no absolutely 100% roller coaster absolutely never settled and every day pretty much is still a surprise to me because everything it's a new challenge every day so in the in the in the first in the beginning you have to learn to drive a van and and deliver oysters and you have to learn wholesaling and then when it's not you in the van you have to train someone to do that for you and and do it in the same way with the with the same passion and the same with the restaurants and actually when we opened our second restaurant in Soho we felt oh okay so we we understand this restaurant thing now and the borough marketplace was doing really well why not open in Soho and why not open somewhere three times bigger because we will you just, have belief we, yeah we have belief <laughs> and we just get three times more customers and Soho's fun anyway right and we wanted to put in something that was very similar to Borough into into the West End. And on paper, it just makes perfect sense. But in reality, we started to realise over the months that it's not that simple. What a surprise um, that people in the West End like slightly different things and a slightly different service style and a slightly different decor. So that was a huge learning curve for us. Um, and to be honest, it, it always goes on that way. Uh, and I, I like it that way. I, I'm not really someone to try and put it in a model and you know break it down into identical elements and then just keep repeating. That for me is 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 less fun. The learning and the unknown is really part of why I love my job. We'll have our final chat with Ben plus player track from Madeline Peru, and that's coming up after the latest traffic and travel. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. The exquisite Madeline Peru with The Summer Wind there. 
uh, Ben Wright's My Business Show, but just for a few more minutes, so we better make good use of them. You talk about the unknown and you talk about loving it. Um, I imagine you're never going to get bored in this business, but what strikes me is obviously you've now got quite a few moving pieces. You've got the restaurants, and I know you've this farming is important to you. When things don't go so well, and inevitably that happens in any business of any size, how do you deal with that emotionally? Good question. Um, the support network is vital. Uh, I have to give a lot of uh, gratitude to my wife, who has to deal with it, you know, when I get home. So you take work home and you can't help it, can you? You, you can't help it. I, I mean, I was on 24 hours a day, waking up in the night, writing stuff down. Um, yeah, I, there's no doubt that the intensity of... In, in my experience and with Wright Brothers, it was so intense. It was so all-consuming that I never really managed to switch off. I've got better recently, but I never really managed that. And I'm very grateful to my wife, who, A, put up with it, but also would just realise that I needed just to get it off my chest. Does it suit you, though, this, Ben? Because some people don't deal with anxiety. Well, in fact, they become anxious regardless they just have a low tolerance have you got a pretty high tolerance and does it have you it obviously makes you very happy being an entrepreneur but it also sounds like the stress is it has an impact it, it does have an impact i mean i i had a major personal health issue through stress about five years ago and that was that was a really useful wake-up call for me because i didn't i didn't understand what stress was i just thought this was something that people talked about but you really you just need to get on with it and when it affected my personal health quite badly my wife at one point had to call an ambulance to to the house and even then I was having a go at my wife saying don't be ridiculous you know it's fine um so it was a wake-up call and and I think I needed it because uh it, it had become all-consuming and I think However well prepared your business is, however well funded it is, however good your team is, however however much of that infrastructure you have around you, you will always hit the wall. I think it's a bit like running a marathon. It doesn't matter how fit you are, you are going to hit the wall. And actually being able to recognize that and sometimes have someone or my own health just to say, Ben, just slow down, take a step back. And and since that time, how have you managed to ensure it is not all-consuming, it is not unhealthy, even though one one always hears about people who are obsessive and, it, and it's kind of a badge of honour almost in, in the entrepreneurial community. What's been the shift in your own behaviour to, to stop that happening again? Well, I think you've got to let go. I think you've got to understand that you need other people around you to support you. And I th- also people who have more experience than you and can do it better than you that's a great moment where you can let them take forward a lot of the challenges uh, and frankly do a much better job listen thank you for being so honest Um, i think some of the insights you've given will be really helpful for those people thinking about doing it and who are in the midst of it as well because um, everyone is on a journey i think when it comes to setting up your own and and running your own business brilliant to talk to you ben um just before i let you go what's your song choice and why have you chosen it My song choice is Ray Charles, Mess Around. I've chosen it for three reasons. One is Ray Charles. It's a legend. The second one is that that scene in the film uh, with John Candy when he's uh, miming along to the song in the car, which is absolutely genius, and you can look that up online. Is that Planes, Trains and Automobiles? Planes, Trains and Automobiles, yeah. Yeah, It's it's absolutely brilliant. And the third one is... um, 
enjoy the moment. You know, it goes back a bit to me trying to break the, through the wall every day, and and sometimes getting so obsessed, and 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 sometimes a bit bit over overcome by it all. And when you listen to this song, it kind of lightens you up. Enjoy the moment, enjoy the journey, have a bit of fun. So, thanks for playing it. Phenomenal reasons. Here it is. That was Mess Around from Ray Charles, the song choice of my business shaper today, Ben Wright, and one of my favourites too. Real clarity about what the business idea was. Bring those oysters to London and eventually the UK because it's going to work, and it has. He's had fantastic belief and has retained that belief in the initial idea. And his honesty, his honesty was really striking today. It doesn't always go well, but boy, has he bounced back when it hadn't. Do join me again, same time, same place. That's next Saturday, 9am, for another edition of Jazz Shapers. Meantime, stay with us, because coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mish Rea. It's business, but it's personal. <laughs>